the Seen and Not Heard podcast, the podcast that is your weekly dirty little secret, which is fine by me, as long as you keep it. I'm Melrose Michaels, your host, and this is season three, episode six. Today, I'm bringing on a guest who is a newer friend of mine. Her name is Emma Gray, but she was previously known to the industry as Shay Edwards. Emma and I met by chance over social media and we have built a relationship off of helping each other with shoutouts and contacts as it pertains to social media and the industry. This was an unexpected friendship, but it's one that I value deeply. Emma's story is such an interesting one as getting into the adult industry was something she had never intended on doing. In fact, she already had a career in the mainstream world, one of substance that she could be proud of. But ever since entering the adult scene, she's had a very real awakening to what our struggles inside the industry look like, doing legal work, but being treated as if you're not. So without further introduction, let's chat with Emma Gray. Welcome, Emma Gray, to The Scene and Not Her podcast. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Oh, this is so I'm good. excited to finally meet you. I know, in, in person-ish, I guess. Yeah, it's almost <laughs> like person. Almost. Um, so I guess we should start with letting people kind of know who you are and a little bit of your background in the industry so they can get familiar. Well, um, so I used to be Shay Edwards. Mm-hmm. I have been Shay Edwards for almost two years, and this past month, I have chosen a new alias due to some new coaching and Instagram misleads and things like that, so now I am Emma Gray, and in two months, I will be exactly at two years of doing this. Okay. Um, I've learned so much. I am actually just now learning the ins and outs of my OnlyFans. That's kind of where a lot of my attention is being directed towards lately. I am 27 years old and I actually have been an x-ray tech slash CAT scan tech for five years. Oh wow. And um, yeah, I, I moved away from home right after high school, went to college and um, went through a few relationships. And before I met my current fiance, um, I was single for a little over two years. Okay. So I was just like super out of the game and very to myself. Mm-hmm. So then whenever I met him, he we, we kind of went through a little financial deal where we were looking for side gigs and we had just recently moved towns two hours away from where we actually met. And, um, and it just, I mean, it's crazy how it happened because he kind of mentioned how he had forgot that a subscription was coming out of his bank account for a premium girl. And I'm like, what is that? Like, what's a premium girl? Yeah, I'm like, what is that? So then he told me a little bit about it. And it just, I mean, I was like, well, I feel like I could do that. Mm -hmm. And he was like, really? And I'm like, I think so. So we just started doing it little by little. And I mean, it grew really, really fast. And it got to where... So I was working weekends. I was doing 16 hour shifts because I worked two hours away from my hometown where I was living actually. So I wanted to cut down my driving and everything else. So I actually got my 40 hours because it when, when you do it like that, they kind of dock you at 40, give you full time. So I was doing that for weekends and it just got to where um, I was losing money at work. Yeah. 
Does that make sense? So um, I was bringing home maybe 1400 every two weeks. Mm-hmm. And I was doing that for a good while until Snapchat really took off. And I got to where I was doubling that very, very fast. So that's kind of how I got started on that. And one thing led to another and I'm still learning a lot of the ins and outs and thank God for you because <laughs> I feel like I can totally get any answer to any question. From <laughs> you. So that helps a lot. But um, yeah, I just, that's how I ended up here now. And I mean, on my only fans, I'm now in the top 0.78%. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah. When you, so, because I guess your experience has always been in like a subscription kind of space. So you've always done like a premium subscription or now a fan subscription. So I guess you've kind of entered it because I've been in the industry since 2011 and I got my start in webcam, which is super unpredictable money. And like, that's what I always try to tell people. It's like some days you have like a thousand dollar night and some days you have like an $11 night and you don't know what day it is. Yeah, and you also don't know what day you're taking off. So it's like this constant anxiety of like chasing your next, you know, payday. Now that that's gained more popularity and got a little bit more trendy, it's such a better time to enter the industry. Like, I think you kind of nailed it, to be honest. I I am I couldn't be happier. I wish somebody would have told me four years ago. <laughs> to have on. <laughs> yes. I, I, yeah, definitely. I always look back to you and I wonder if I would have been um, as not as successful because I don't really I don't success is so hard to measure but I almost wish I gotten started sooner because I feel like I'd be further along but then again I look back and I feel like I don't know if you know 18 year olds should necessarily be getting into the game I feel like I've changed and evolved so much as a person yeah and um one thing I, I've actually told my mom you know that we when we talked about it I, I am glad that I didn't start back then just because I do feel like along with all of the pros, there's also a lot of cons and you really do have to have a very strong mindset mm-hmm. um, to be in the industry. Yeah. Like I feel like you really have to have a lot of self-love and you got to have a lot of self-confidence and you got to have a lot of love for people. Mm-hmm. And True. it's not just um, faking it every day. You know, you really have to be, some type of good person in order to do it because if I were in a bad spot or, you know, some of the times that I went through in my earlier twenties or learning the ins and outs of lives and things like that, my boyfriends, things like that. I don't know. I just, I don't think that I would have been very good with it. Yeah. I think like, so your parents and like the people in your circle all know what you do. So you don't have that like that transparency that you're trying to or you do have that transparency I should say whereas like a lot of people just in the industry they don't tell people right away or they don't go into it with that support which I can't imagine I feel like that would be so hard I actually um hid my identity and hid it from my family for about six months just because I really did plan on it just being a side hustle for a little bit until we could get over the slump yeah. And it just, it took off so much. It was like, it was, of course, it was hard to stop and there was no reason to. Yeah. So yeah. it made it really easy. And it was funny because, you know, obviously um, my fiance, he showed me the ins and outs of everything. I mean, I didn't know what a shout out page was. Yeah. 
I didn't know any of those things. So he showed me all of that. So we were kind of doing this. And while I was still doing x-ray, you know, he would tend to step for me, you know, um, updating all my stuff and things like that whenever I was at work. That's awesome. So it really, really helped. But it also came to a point to where my family, you know, thought that we were like maybe doing something illegal <laughs> or something like that because all we had all the time in the world at home and I was able to help them more than ever and mm-hmm. do things that I wasn't normally doing. And they're like, okay, what's going on? And of course, me and him were fresh at the time. So they're like, Are he, is he doing drugs? <laughs> so I really had to come out, which it really wasn't hard because um, that's another way, another thing that you and I have in common. My mom is my best friend and she's very understanding and so is my sister. So um, those are the really only two people that I really cared about telling and what I was doing and the honest truth. And I mean, after I was done with my job at the hospital, that's whenever I was able to start showing my face. Oh, okay. And it's not anything on a legal term. I wasn't doing anything to where I couldn't show my face. I just didn't want to not be taken professionally at the hospital. Yeah. So that's kind of my reasoning in hiding my face in the beginning. But once I decided to do this full time, it was like. Did you make a decision recently then? Because I feel like one of the first like share for shares we did was like always no face. Probably just because I wasn't confident in my face pictures. Really? Really. And um, I've never really been as confident as I am now. I mean, that's another good thing that this has done for me. I've never seen myself in a life that I do now. Yeah, I I totally relate to that. I've said this on the podcast before. I was just like, I feel like I've gained so much self-confidence in like my body, my face, the way I move, everything from being on camera and learning that kind of stuff. Like huge growth for sure. Yeah. And just learning that it's like, okay to be you and everyone else has their own kind of beauty Mm -hmm. because you look at girls and you're like, Oh, you know, they have different aspects that you don't that, you know, you admire, but at the same time, you know, other people admire things about you. So it's, it's a good thing. Yeah. It's, I feel like that's something like I struggle with even now, but I try to remind myself like, well, everyone has their own beauty and everyone perceives beauty differently. So like to someone else, I'm the thing, but to me, like they're the thing. And that's just exactly, exactly. Yeah. That's it. I think that's a maturity thing. Cause I'm, I'm 29, I'm going to be 30 soon. But it's been very, like, recent for me to come to terms with that and to understand that and to really grasp that. Because I struggled that with, like, my whole life, pretty much. Right. Um, So another thing I want to talk to you about, because this is something I've done some research on. I want to say I've talked about it briefly once, but there's been kind of a shift in the industry. And obviously, I mean, we could talk about discrimination and all these things against sex workers for freaking hours. Um... But something specific, and I know you've had an experience with this, and um, I'd like to talk about it a little bit at length because it's 2020, right? And we are, the work that you and I do, having a subscription, you know, premium social media or subscription fan site is completely legal. Uh, We pay a lot in taxes. (laughs) We pay our dues. Um, but we're being discriminated against, not just by like other people in society and being stigmatized. That's one thing, but even by actual financial institutions, which is crazy. Right. 
I, I was introduced to this by a Vice article, I want to say. Um, and it was kind of talking about how banks and financial institutions are closing accounts for sex workers. So I wanted to ask you about your experience because I know we were just talking um, and chatting in text about this happening to you. Right. Yeah, this actually happened to me just last week. And um, they called me four days in advance and told me that for in four days that all my accounts were going to be closed. Um, they actually kept it very short and sweet, which I will say I, I live in Texas. I live in the Bible Belt. Mm -hmm. It is hard for me in every way for choosing this career. Um, but yeah, they called me, it was actually the president of the bank. Wow. And he said that um, since I opened my business account that they looked up the institution that does my direct depositing and that it's related to sex work and that they did not wanna be involved with it. Wow. And that's pretty much all he said, and that they would have me a cashier's check on Tuesday, and good luck to me. Wow. So they, they actually legitimately outright told you it's because of sex work. Right. That's crazy to me. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And they gave you four days notice to try to find somewhere else to start a right. business account which is super not hard to do at all. I mean, you can just open those in like five minutes. Right. Uh, <laughs> wow, okay. Can, I, I don't know if you want to name the bank and you don't, don't have to at all. Um, but when I was doing my research, I don't know if there's like a Wells Fargo near you, but Wells Fargo is the only one I know to be truly sex work friendly. So if- Really? Yeah, so that's what I was, uh, when I was looking everything up online, uh, I think it was the president or something ahead of Wells Fargo had said, if you're in sex work, you can come here and your money is welcome here kind of thing. So wow. that's positive. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. No, I had no idea about that. Yeah. Cause they're pretty big. I don't know. A lot of bigger banks are kind of the problem from what I'm understanding with this. So right. there's some light at the end of the tunnel. Um, what I was going to say also is that when I was reading about this, like it's not just discrimination, like when people say sex work, like that's such a general term. And I know like some cam girls don't want to be lumped in sex work. Some escorts don't want to be lumped in sex work or they feel they're the only ones that should be, you know, lumped in sex work. And it's frustrating because you have, you know, escorts who want to participate in society and want to get apartments, finance cars, do things that require a bank account. And I understand, you know, some places that's not legal, and whether people think that should be legalized or not, that's a whole other conversation. But what we're doing is legal. You know, porn is legal. People can right. see it. People pay for it. So why is punishing the performer a problem? And I feel like performers are almost more targeted than studios themselves as well. Yes, very much so. Very much so. Um, I went through, I mean, I went through several incidents, even outside of the bank that um, I felt like were very unfair. Um, I've dealt with a, a girl in, the, in my hometown who found out who I was and pretty much went through, um, you know, went, jumped hurdles to ruin my life. Seriously, wrote a letter to the medical board um, stating that I was a prostitute at the hospital. She wrote a letter to the FBI stating that I, or a, a fake bomb threat, that's what it was, 
And um, I just, I went through so many things to where I had to turn to legal advice. And I was talking to, I mean, I've literally reached out to over 10 lawyers that would not take my case. And they would talk to me and say, okay, this is something for the police. And so I would go to, go to the police and, you know, the police are kind of just like, these are the kind of things that you get tied up in when you choose these, this type of work. Wow. That's and I just felt like my back was against the wall. Like, I mean, I couldn't find help anywhere. And I just, even when it comes to a CPA, I'm having to go to our capital, Austin, Texas, to get my CPA, which is our most liberal city yeah. in Texas. Yeah. Um, that's the only CPA that I could find to take my case, to take my work. That's Nobody wants to be associated with it. Yeah. It's funny because when it comes to um, accountants, I actually had that problem too. And this is up north. This is when I was living in Chicago. So like I went to my first accountant. Really? Yeah. My first accountant claimed to be like, okay, with everything said she was doing my taxes. And at the time it was for me and my then boyfriend, now husband, and we were filing for a couple years at once because um, of just messiness. When I first joined doing webcam, I didn't know I had to pay taxes, like same way as a business, like I was oblivious. So I was coming back from owing taxes. Um, and so she was supposed to help us fix the mess. She took everything, did all the work, and then didn't submit any of it. So not only did I get penalized with a percentage of fees on what I already owed, but then I was penalized for missing the new deadline, which everything was already done for. And this happened two years in a row with the same, same accountant. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. And then on the, I think it was the third year of trying to cooperate with her because it's hard to find someone. So if you think you found someone who is going to do the job, you want to stick with them. Yeah. So like, I think it was the third year of working with her. Um, she was going to do an offer and compromise, which for those of you who owe taxes will know it's where you <laughs> try to like negotiate what you owe with the government and pay lump sum. Um, so we were submitting an offer and compromise. I think it was like paid like three grand to do the process with her. She took the money, didn't submit it, and then never returned a single phone call ever again. So now I'm screwed on all the years of taxes I was trying to fix and my OIC all because of sex work. So are you serious? Yeah, it, the, the accountants have been fucking <laughs> What a slap in the face. I know, especially when you're trying to clean up your mess. Like I'm trying to be right. doing this right. So, oh my God, really. And you know, I didn't know you lived in the Bible Belt before this. So that's super interesting because I've seen, a, obviously I've seen a difference from living in Chicago and being, you know, how well, I, well or not well received I was there to now living in Tennessee, which is very Bible Belt and a whole different, different thing. Right. Yeah. It seems like it would be. I've never been, but yeah. it seems like it'd be a lot like Texas. Yeah, that's kind of the vibe. I've been to Texas, I think, twice, and I would say that they're pretty similar, at least with, you know, societal standards. Anyways, um, what else? Have you ever had any struggles just like in your personal life? Maybe not with institutions per se, but like, what is the perception of people who know what you do just like from your day to day that aren't direct friends or family or like personal associates? Like hometown people? Yeah. Like what is it? Because did you grow up in Texas or are you living there now? I did. Okay. Yes. So yeah. You're going to have that scandal. And I grew up in a very, very, very small town. 
So, and I mean, for the most part in high school, my graduating class had like 33 people. Oh my God. So it is a huge deal. Yeah. It's a huge deal. Um, my OnlyFans actually just recently got really, really spread around because of my ex-brother-in-law. And um, yeah, I guess he got a hold of some stuff and that got blown around and but it really doesn't bother me anymore. I have had so much time to prep myself for this moment. Yeah. That I, it's, it's very easy for me. And um, if it doesn't sound bad, I've, I've always been very much so about me and my family. Mm-hmm. Um, and my circle is very small. So my circle doesn't change from day to day, whether those opinions mm-hmm. are good or bad. And I also have a lot of support too. Yeah. My whole entire family supports me. Even my granny knows. Um, That's awesome. All my cousins. So it's it's really no big deal to anybody anymore. I just feel like it's 2020 and it's just. It's a different time. It's not what it used to be, you know. That, and I didn't expect my whole family to understand like they did, especially the older generation. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Did so, you Did you grow up, because you are in a Bible Belt, did you grow up in the church at all? I did not. My family was very, um, my dad listened to a lot of Pink Floyd and he drank a lot of beer. And my mom, um, if I had one word to describe her, I would describe her as a hippie. And she's very free flowing, um, go with the flow type woman. So she's always been like, love who you want. And she's very welcoming. So it made it really easy. That's really good. That's really good. I think I could have, I could have came out with anything and she would have been supportive of it. That's awesome. I always wonder like, because I we're similar and that we're in very committed relationships. And I think about like my future kids a lot because I I'm putting down roots here and it's very Republican and very conservative and it's right. very different than my beliefs. Um, and like what I discuss with my husband is always like, well, we'll have our roots here and our safe space here where we live and they'll go to school and whatnot. But I want to make it so, so important that we take these kids outside of these small towns and travel and show them how big the world is because that's my biggest complaint. And it's nothing against small towns. I fucking love small towns. That's why I'm putting down roots here. But small towns often do come with small minds and I don't know how my kid will understand my future kid um, what I do if they don't get more exposure to the world, you know? I that has crossed my mind so many times and I really don't have an answer for it yet. Yeah, same. I just I kind of I mean I pray about it and that's what you really can do, you know? Like I feel good about what I do and I think that I think they eventually answers will come. I hope. Yeah. <laughs> I I mean, it's not like I grew up as a little girl saying this is what I want to be. Yeah, true. Very true. It's kind of a live and let go situation because at the end of the day, like, I want to make sure my kid doesn't think, you know, sexuality is a negative thing or something to shy away from or be afraid to express. So Maybe it can be a teachable moment is my help. Right. <laughs> right. And it's like, how do you teach it to where you teach them to have, you know, the self-respect and things like that, that we have for ourselves? Because, you know, I, I don't feel like we 
we get a lot of trash talking that we really shouldn't get because people don't understand how simple and safe our job is. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I think that people think that, you know, there's a lot more that comes with it, but there's not. Mm -hmm. And that's hard to explain. Yeah. It's like, and this is what I tell people, like, you have to understand, like, there are different categories of sex work. There is escorting, which can be way more dangerous. There is, you know, stripping, which again, that could be more dangerous because it's, what if someone follows you home? What if all of these things, you know, right. that in-person contact and nothing against it. It's, if I, if I was that confident to see people in person, then I'd be all about it, but I'm not. Um, exactly. Yeah. That takes another. That's why, that's why this was right up my alley. I've literally always said, like, if I thought that I could, or if I had the confidence, I would be a stripper. Like, you yeah. go, girl. Yeah. But. And, and we're in the safety of our own homes. You know, we're in an environment we can control. We decide what our boundary is and if and when we want to cross it. You know, I don't right. think there's anything safer than that when it comes to sex work or a job in general. <laughs> I don't either. Yeah, I don't either. I think it gets a bad rap because it's, you know, counterculture a little bit, not so much these days, but before specifically. And it's not, it's definitely not fair. It's, it's women taking control over something that's happening anyways. Like, and this is how I explained it. I was having this conversation with a friend. I was like, you know, I've been being sexualized, whether I consented to it or not, since I was 16. So why should I not charge a fee? Thank you. Yes. It's like damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah. It really is because, um, you know, you're overly nice and then you're a bitch. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you're not nice at all or you're quiet or you're to yourself or just being yourself. But if you're pretty, you are not allowed to be quiet or you're not allowed to be outgoing. Yeah. And it's like she's full of herself or she's a bitch. Yeah. And it's like. I read it. I no, you can't win. You can't you win with these people. It's like, a, I don't know if it was a podcast or an article, but it was something saying like, when a man is assertive, he, or when a man's like blunt or whatever, he's assertive. And then when a woman's blunt or assertive, she's a bitch or she's bossy. Where it's like, it's the same thing. You just make a right. nice connotation for a woman to do it. So that kills me. That bothers me a lot. I remember growing up, my mom would always tell me how bossy I was because I would like boss around my cousins and like, she's like, <laughs> always, and I was loud too. And it was like this constant, like internalized, like be quiet, Mel, be quiet or don't do that. And it's like, it didn't stick very well because <laughs> I'm still the same. But I remember looking back in retrospect, it's like, I have super strong leadership skills. Like I'm a, a diehard through and through entrepreneur. Like that's what you were seeing as bossy or as loud or all, all of those things. Right. What if I had, you know, shied away from those, I wouldn't be who I am or what I am today. Yes. So crazy. It's so crazy. Yeah. I completely understand that. Yeah. Man, I wish that people gave sex work the concept and the people doing it, sex workers, a little bit more of a, legitimacy and the credit they deserve because at the base of it we are entrepreneurs we're doing something completely legal there's no reason we shouldn't be able to have business accounts or have lawyers or have a cpa on retainer because it's a legitimate corporation um and it's not fair it's really not fair and it is strictly discrimination there was um let me see if i could pull it up real quick i had it here the government had actually 
started, it was called, what's the name? Operation Choke Point, which is an actual documented operation to put pressure on banks to close accounts like ours, like yours, exactly what happened to you, where they would like either, I think it was hinder financing or just basically put pressure on any foreign actor. And it said studio, but again, my experience is it's much more the creator that gets shut Absolutely. down. Yeah. So it's interesting wow. that we can separate church and state when it comes to politics and government, yet people's morality is so involved in institutions like banking controlled by government. It makes no sense. Right. And I think that people definitely, I mean, it's not like you can sit there and explain the ins and outs to people, but people have a, a whole wrong concept because I can say that at least half of my income comes from talking to people. Yeah. And it is, I mean, a lot of it, yes, I am nude. Yes, I'm doing this or that. But a lot of it is talking to people. People are lonely just as bad as they're horny. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what it really boils down to. I mean, these people want somebody to talk to. They want somebody real. They want somebody genuine. Mm -hmm. And whenever I give somebody that, I mean, it, it may sound silly to some people, but I feel good about myself. Yeah. No, I, I get that completely. Even on webcam, when I when I used to try to explain the concept of webcamming to people, like, oh, so you like sit there and masturbate all the time. No, that's, that's like, if I'm online for eight hours, that takes place for 10 minutes. So the other seven hours and 50 minutes is me building a community and talking people through their problems most of the time, if we're being honest. It's like, right. I get to know these people. They have, they'll tell me about the jobs that they had or lost or are interviewing for or the the family drama that they're experiencing or whatever. Like it's, they come for a connection and I'm not saying that they're not getting that somewhere else in their supplementing. I just know at the end of the day, they can buy and watch me online for free leaked all over the internet. So what they're here for is the interaction just with me and my personality and what I'm saying, you know, exactly. Just being yourself. Yeah. At the end in of the day, house. yeah. In your house alone on TV. <laughs> <laughs> it's that easy it's that easy okay well i love this i really appreciate you coming on and doing this and sharing your story because it takes a lot of bravery to one open up about all the stuff you went through and you've had a hell of a rough time of it <laughs> so <laughs> i really appreciate that yes of course and i'm glad i got on and thank you for inviting me i'm so happy to finally meet you and talk to you i know i feel like we're best friends now <laughs> totally <laughs> Um, is there anything you want to promote, social media, uh, your platforms? Have at it. Um, yes. If everybody wants to call, uh, follow me on Instagram, my Instagram is just that babe Emma. Um, two E's in a row. That's right. There's not many left, so don't <laughs> judge me. But yeah, that's my Instagram, that babe Emma. And um, my Snapchat is Emma Gray Play. So I have teasers on there every day. So. Oh, and your OnlyFans. Don't forget that. Oh, yes. My OnlyFans is OnlyFans slash Emma Gray. Perfect. Gray with an A. Perfect. All right, love. I'm sure I will talk to you very soon, and uh, I wish you nothing but the best. Thank you so much. Likewise. You're welcome. Bye. It's so unfair to be stigmatized and discriminated against in general, but when you're experiencing it while doing something that is completely legal, completely safe, and serves a need in the market, it's on an entirely different level. Emma's story is not unique. 
The same experience is shared by many performers and even studios and production companies in the adult lane. So I'd like to pose you this question. When is it going to change? Society gladly accepts our taxes, yet openly denies us basic resources. You all watch our content, yet you shame us for making it. Let me say this clearly for the people in the back. If you didn't create the market, we wouldn't be here. But you did. So until you stop watching us online, you're going to have to start seeing us in person. I'm Melrose Michaels, and this is Season 3, Episode 6 of The Scene and Not Heard Podcast. Huge thank you this week to the banks, legal counsel, and accountants who openly and willingly work with sex workers. If you would, please write to me on social media or email me at melrosemichael at gmail.com so that I can include you as a resource for other performers in our industry on my website and in this podcast episode's description. If you're a performer listening, please check back to this podcast episode's description as resources will update when they come in over time. Want to be an individual sponsor of the podcast? All you have to do is go to anchor.fm forward slash Melrose and click support this podcast to donate whatever amount per month to help fund more episodes like today's. Next week on the Seen and Not Heard podcast. I am so excited about this episode. I am sitting down with former Congresswoman Katie Hill, who tells her own story about leaked nudes, leaving Congress, and how she's moving forward. As one of the few openly bisexual women to be a part of Congress, her time serving California, although brief, made one hell of an impact. We talk about revenge porn, the double standards between men and women, and sex work legislation.